I believe this would be a message today that's going to encourage the church. I, I believe any message that, um, that we bring should be a message of encouragement. Um, uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, as, um, we ask ourselves, you know, what does God see in me? And um, a lot of times what God sees in me and what I see in me <laughs> is different. It's not, it's not the same. And um, the last couple of messages I've done was talking about the message of salvation and the urgency that that brings, and it does. I mean, we, we see that in the, in the Word of God, and um, we understand that. And really my focus on those two messages was really, as a church, the urgency of getting the message of salvation to those out there, like, you know, it's important for us to share, to share Christ. And that's always, that, that should always be in our hearts, that urgent cry of God to go and share. But really, in today's message, I really want to kind of focus on us, the church, and you and me, and, um, and um, in particular, what it is that God says who we are. So when you read the Bible, um, and you, you look at what the, you know, especially in Paul's letters, to the churches, and you you see what Paul was speaking to the believer. Um, it's pretty, you know, compelling words that that Paul is saying who we are after we get saved and after we become born again. So I think a lot of times we need to remind ourselves um, as believers of who we are in Christ, because the devil is not going to tell you who you are, the world's not going to tell you who you are, your unsaved family members aren't, aren't going to tell you who you are. So I think we need to go and find out what it is that God says. And, um, you know, y'all know the scripture verse, Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's speaking to the believer. That, that's not speaking to those of us who have not accepted Christ yet, but those of us who are in Christ, who have surrendered our lives to him, the Bible says, now that you are in Christ, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So that ought to get us pretty, pretty excited about ourselves. Um, the Bible says we are a brand new person. You know, the old is gone, the new is coming. And it says, um, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, behold, all things have become new. So, so in Christ, we're, we're a new creation. And for a lot of us, and really for all of us, that's a good thing. You know, that God has changed us and, and, and made us into literally a new creation. That's the, the born-again experience. That, that's why Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. You know, the old you's got to die. It's got to just completely die, and then the new you is resurrected now who? In Christ. We're born again in Christ. We're raised to, new, to newness of life. And, um, and then the Bible says that we have power over our adversary or over Lucifer or over the devil or over our enemy, the Bible says. The Bible says, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Well, who is he that is in you? That's the Holy Spirit. That's the presence and the power of God that dwells inside of the believer is greater than, and who is he in the world? The devil. <laughs> the, the forces of evil, the forces of darkness. So the Bible says that we have power and authority over, over the enemy. So, and, uh, but this is my message titled today, and I, I, I declare this truth to you today, that you are more than a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror, and that's, that's what... That's what the Bible says, and we're going to look at that in a, in a minute. But, um, you know, it's really, it's time for us and the church to really start living like the church of Christ, like who we are in Jesus Christ, and start acting and living like, like the power it is that God has given us as, as believers. And um, you and I need to receive what it is that God says about us, 
and stop believing the lie and, and to begin receiving the truth of what, of what God says. And um, we can choose to live our lives based on what the world says we are or who God says that I am. I'll choose to live my life based on who God says that I am. And that's what we all need to do as believers. And, you know, really, as I, as I mentioned about the urgency of us speaking the truth to the world around us, if we don't know who we are in Christ, we're not going to act with a lot of boldness and confidence to go share that message. You know, we, we got to get ourselves right with Christ and understand who we are so we can go not with arrogance, but with boldness and confidence and speak the truth of, of, of who Christ says these people can become and the word of, the word of truth to them. So, um, so we look, we, you know, we look at the Bible and, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, and even in, in the Bible, the men and women that God chose to use, they never saw themselves the way God saw them. They, they never thought that they were anything special. They could do anything. All they saw was their faults, their failures, their frailties, their weaknesses, and we're the same way. You know, we, we, you know God calls us to do things, and we're like, you know, God, why are you picking on me? I'm, I don't know enough. I'm not smart enough. I've made this mistake, that mistake. And we're like, well, God's like, well, he's still choosing us, and God, God's calling us. And, um, you know, we look at Abraham. God told Abraham, he said, he said, you will be the father of many nations. Um, the Lord told Moses, you will, you will deliver my, my people from, from Egyptian bondage. And um, the Lord told Gideon, I love this, he told Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, almighty warrior. And they were hiding, they were afraid of the Midianites. They were being oppressed by the Midianites. And the Lord just approached Gideon and said, not only are you a mighty warrior, you're going you're to be the people to, to deliver the nation of Israel out of the hand of the Midianites. And, and you know, the Lord was looking at him as, as like, well, who am I? You know, I'm, I'm weak and all of that. But that's what God saw in, um, in Gideon. So how would it change your perspective if every day you claim this one truth in your life, that you are a mighty warrior, that that's what God says you are? That doesn't mean that that doesn't matter that you don't see yourself that way. That's what the Bible says. So, um, you and I in Christ, um, we are we are new creations. That's who we are in Christ. So we are not who the world sees us as we are, who our parents see us as we are, or even our friends. I, I am a new creation in Jesus Christ. I've been born again by the by the blood of Jesus, and the Bible says I have that victory. So um, you are not who um, I say you are. You are who God declares that you are. And that's so important for us to understand. So um, Romans chapter 8, and this is a really powerful passage. I mean, the whole book of Romans is an, is an incredible book in the Bible. But Romans chapter 8 in particular has a lot of, a lot of stuff in it that really um, encourages and really speaks to the life of the Christian and of the, of the believer. And so we're going to look at a portion of that, of that chapter here. And I just get encouraged reading this. I mean, we're gonna, I'm going to, you know, expound on it a little bit. But just, you know, sometimes, you, you know, when you read the Bible, there's certain passages that all you really need to do is just read it. And you're like, wow, that's, that's awesome. You know, really, you know, it makes you feel, you know, encouraged and when, when you read that. So um, this is Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 31. It says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, 
graciously give us all things. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And um, what a powerful scripture. You know, Paul's, Paul's speaking to the church. He's speaking to the believer. He's building up the church to them. And he says in verse um, 31, he says, what then shall we say um, in response um, to these things? And Paul is in the previous portion of chapter 8, he's reminding the church of everything that it is that Christ has done for us. And then, and then as, a, as a way to build the case, he's saying now in response to all the things that Christ has done for us, this is who we are in Christ. And um, one of the things he says in the, in the previous verses is we have hope. Our hope is in Christ. It's a, it's a confident hope. It's an, it's an assured hope. Um, he says that we have been called by Christ. Um, I've shared this with this congregation before. We didn't choose Christ. God chose you. If you're sitting in this room this morning and you're a, you're a Christian, the Bible says that God chose you. You know, I think about that all the time because I'm like, I, you know, how did I find God in Christ and, and, and get saved and all that kind of stuff? And I'm like, I look back and look at God's hand in my life and I recognize that God all along had it planned out that I was going to be saved, that God chose me. That God chose us. So that, that should make us feel so important. And then um, Romans 8.28 is the verse that says, God is working all things out for our good. I love that. All things are working for our good to those who love Christ and have been called according to his purpose. That's what God says. So Paul is saying now, um, and all these things that Christ has done, in response to all of these things, and then he gives the passage that, that, I, that I just read. And... Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a powerful word that, that, that Paul is giving to us. So, um, so to any of you today who may be feeling defeated or facing a trial or any difficult thing, um, this is God's word of truth speaking into your life. This is, this is what the word of God says. And so no matter what you're facing today, this is the truth of what the word of God says. So I really want this again to be, a, to be an encouraging word, to, 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 for us to walk out of here to be to be encouraged. So verse 31, he says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So the first thing we need to see here is the battle is God's, it's not yours. Whatever battle it is that you're facing in your life, the, the, the battle does not belong to you, it belongs to God. That's one of the benefits of a believer, of us, of us, of us being a believer, it, it belongs to God. And you know, I've often heard um, Christians say, they say, they say, I can't live this Christian life. I can't do it. And you know what? They're right. You, you can't do this. 
we were not meant to live the Christian life. We were meant to die to ourselves and allow Jesus Christ to live the life for us. And when someone says, I can't live the life, really what they're saying is, I'm still trying to live my life. And Christ is trying to come in and do, do what he wants to do in our hearts. And the two wills are really competing against one, one another. It's, it's me trying to live and it's Christ trying to live. Well, both of them, both of them are not going to win. There's, there's going to be frustration. There's going to be friction. Only one is going gonna, is gonna, is gonna to win the day. And it's up to us to say, I put to death David. The desires of the flesh is like Paul said, that Christ might live in me. And uh, so you can't live this life. Um, no matter how hard you try, we, we are called to surrender our lives, to surrender our will to the, to the, leader, to the leading of the Holy Spirit and, and to Christ. So, um, so we, are we are victorious because we are not in the battle alone. And I love that what, what Paul says there. It says, if God is for us, who can be against us? I mean, just think about that. Just that one, that one passage of Scripture, how powerful and profound those words are. That if God is on our side in this church, if, if, God, is, is, if God is on our side as a church, as a tabernacle church in Covington, who can be against us? What, what, what force or power in all of earth can come against God? No, nothing. No one can. Nothing can come, come, come against us. So, so that is so powerful what Paul, what Paul is saying is every battle that we face, you face with the Lord of heaven's armies at your side. Do you recognize that? That God is fighting every battle with you along your side. So you, you look at the Old Testament and you realize that Israel soon began to discover that they were not fighting alone as a people. That it wasn't just them fighting in the flesh and blood. They had a supernatural power and a supernatural force that was fighting alongside of them. That there was something greater than just themselves that God had called them to do. That God was working the supernatural on their behalf. And, um, and the, the story of the Red Sea, I share that a lot. You know, the nation of Israel uh, had been delivered out of Egypt and the, the um, Bible says that God had led the nation of Israel up against the Red Sea. Um, and Pharaoh, in spite of all the firstborn uh, sons being killed, he still was stubborn in his heart. He would still not let go of, of Israel and wanting, wanting them to still be you know, in bondage and be in slavery. And the Bible says he took his whole army with him, his chariots, all his best fighting men, and he went after Israel, thinking he was going to get them. Israel's pinned up against the Red Sea. The nation of Israel is coming against them. And they're crying out to Moses, why did you lead us out here to die? They had no clue what God was up to. They thought they were going to have to fight like a physical, like we would have thought. We take up arms and we're going to have to fight. But what did God do? God just parted the Red Sea. God just opened up the waters. And the Bible says the nation of Israel walked through on dry land and Israel looked at that. I mean, Egypt, the, the um, Egyptians looked at that and said, we can do the same thing. No, you can't. You know, and they got right in the middle of the Bible. says, God, you know the story. They, they caused the water to come over, and all of them, all of them drowned. So, so they understood, I think, and even before that, when they began to see the, the, the plagues and all the different things that God had, God had done, and they were spared of those things, that, that there was a force that was working on their behalf that was outside of themselves, and the same thing is true for us as Christians. We, when we face different situations in our life, God is working in our lives. Even when we can't see it, we can't feel it, we don't understand it, God 
is, wor is working with us. So um, the believer has supernatural powers. And, you know, my wife and I, we, we've experienced this in our lives. And, you know, I'm, I'm so blessed this morning. I have, we have four children, and I have three of my children sitting right here in the, in the front of this church. I mean, not, you know, especially to have adult children, and, you know, just still living close, much less being in your church, that's a blessing for my wife and I. We are, we are, we are so, so privileged, so blessed, you know, to have that. But we've seen the supernatural. We've seen the miraculous happen just within our families. And I, and, and I know, um, you know, in a financial situation, you know, I, I can tell you, and I, I've said this to this church, you know, time and time again, God has met every need that we have faced financially, everything. And there's, and there's been just places and things that have happened that God has caused to happen to, to cause a, a, an increase financially that we were not expecting. I mean, it's just, you know, even Katrina, you know, Hurricane Katrina, as devastating as that was, that was really a, it ended up being a blessing for us financially. The place that I worked, it was in the electrical industry, and we saw a huge boom in construction, obviously, and so everybody wanted electrical supplies, and, and the company I worked with was, was real nice to bless the people and that had lost their homes and stuff, and it was just, it was just unexpected. But God did that for us. And then I think of the salvation of my of my children, and y'all have heard um, Lee's testimony. And and literally, Lee, Lee really did he, fire from heaven came down, literally for Lee. You know, we we think of the story of Elijah, and he called down fire from heaven. But you know, Lee is by himself in a FEMA trailer on our property in Violet. There's no electricity. There's no nothing. It was like a barren wasteland where he was at. And he just, he cried out to God for a sign. He wanted a sign from God. And one of the houses that was, um, that was vacant um, caught on fire. I mean, it just, uh, it just out of nowhere, the thing caught on fire. And Lee recognized that that was God speaking to him. And, and he got saved. And um, we were, this church had, um, we were meeting with Church of the King. I don't know if some of you might not know that, but Church of the King was graciously allowing us to use their facility to give us a place to meet before we could get our own uh, property. And um, I remember we were there, and we had gotten the word that, that Lee had gotten saved, and I was like, I wasn't doubting God, but I was like, I want to see him first. Because like, I'll know if I see him, you know, if, he, if it's real. And I'm telling you, he, his countenance, he was just, he was different. It was just, it was, before he even started speaking to me or saying a word, I, I, I immediately knew that Lee was changed, that he was saved, that he was, that he was born again. And then, um, y'all know the story of Joshua, and I'm sure Joshua gets tired of me uh, picking on him, but, but it really was a trial that my wife and I went through when he was involved with drugs, and, you know, he was, he was out of the house a lot, and there was some times we didn't know where he was. Didn't know what, didn't know what, you know, what was happening with him. And, you know, you just, you know, you just trust in God. You're just going after God. You're praying. You're crying out. And then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, God just begins to turn the tide. And, and, and Joshua gets involved with Teen Challenge. And God fills him with the Holy Spirit. And he, here he is, you know, this morning um, with his beautiful family, you know, serving God. You know, and um, he's about to graduate. He's graduating in May from LSU, from architectural school and um, a five-year program that he went through. And, and so I'm just, you know, no matter what my children do, I've said this to this church, um, whatever vocation they do, whatever education they get, the most important thing that they can do is find Christ. Amen. That's the most important thing. If my children find Jesus, I'm, I'm proud of you no matter what, but that's, that's the thing that makes me the most proud. 
is that you, you, are, you are saved. You found the truth. And um, so, so we've, we've seen the supernatural work. We've seen God's hand fighting on side of us. And, and like when you're in the battle, you don't, you don't always see it. You don't feel it. I mean, it's a struggle. It's, a, it's frustrating. It's, it's tough. But, but I'm telling you, God's fighting on your side. So I don't know who you are this morning, what situation you're going through. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's a wayward child. Uh, maybe it's a tough situation at work. Um, I don't know what it is. I'm here to tell you God is fighting on your side. That, 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 that the Lord of heaven's armies is fighting with you. He's fighting your battles. And um, so we, we can trust him and surrender, and surrender the battle to him. And then look what Paul, Paul says here. He says, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? That, that's us. It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? So the next thing we need to see here is you are not condemned, you are loved. You are not condemned, you are loved. And, the, you know, a lot of us, I believe, need to hear that. Need to hear that word that God, that God tells us. And, you know, one of the greatest weapons of the enemy is condemnation. You know, he, he can really, even believers, the, the devil can really smother and defeat a Christian with the spirit of condemnation. And, um, and he, you know, he first tempts us to sin, and then after he gets us to sin, what does he do? He condemns us. He accuses us. He, 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 he condemns us. But, um, but, the, but the Bible says that God says, who then is the one who condemns? No one, the Bible says. So, so condemnation, condemnation seeks to smother us in our faults and our failures and our mistakes. It seeks to tell us that we're never good enough, that you've made too many mistakes, you, 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 you have too many flaws, all these things that, that God says to us. And, you know, Lee had mentioned earlier, we, we were in the um, men's uh, retreat this past weekend, and Brother Ron Johnson from um, Living Stones Church in um, Crown Point, Indiana, came down and spoke. And he's got a big church, and he really, you know, I was moved that he was willing to come and sacrifice a weekend for us like that. I mean, it's, you know, he, he loved to come, but he's just a, just a beautiful, you know, message he gave us. And really, a lot of what he was saying was really speaking on his subject of, of uh, condemnation. And he was really speaking to men that had came, and he was really trying to open up the hearts of men that have really carried with them a lot of shame and guilt for things that they had done in their past. And how, you may not realize it, but the, the shame and the guilt has really prevented you from being everything that God has called you to be. And, um, and I, I believe some men got free. I mean, I really believe there was a lot of freedom in that. But, you know, there might be some of you here this morning that, you know, you're born again, you're saved, you're forgiven, all those things, but you still carry around the weight of the shame and the guilt of whatever it is that maybe happened to you in, in your past. Maybe it was something that happened to you that was out of your control, or maybe it was something that happened to you that was a decision that you made. But regardless of what it was, you still feel the weight of the, of the shame and the guilt. That, that And God wants us to be free of that. Yeah. we got to be delivered from that and set free because we'll never be right to be used for God. That's what really Pastor Ron's message was to the men. 
is we, we have to get healed and delivered from all this shame and all this guilt so God can take us to the next level to use us in ministry and in, in church and our families to be the husband, to be the father that God has um, called us to be. And, you know, one of the things that he said that really kind of, um, I guess, kind of convicted me, I guess, a little bit, he said that when they have new members, their church is really exploding. They have a they have an auditorium, I guess. He said it seats 500. I, I thought it was 300, but they have three services every Sunday because they have like 1,500 people coming to their church, and they're building this, this new sanctuary that they're going to be building. But he said when new people come in, they, they have like a new member class or like just an introduction to their church, and he basically said he starts off by telling everybody, um, we want to get this out here you know, before we begin. Everybody's messed up. Even the leadership at the church. He wants to make sure he just kind of gets that out there. And, um, and, and I don't believe that, that we create a ministry where it looks like myself or my wife or the leadership tries to give the impression that we're something that you're not, that, that we're perfect. I, I hope we don't. I don't want to ever give, give that impression because we're not. And um, so I'm going to share this. be a little vulnerable here this morning. He was just kind of saying, you know, it, it, it's, it, sometimes it's nice to let the congregation know uh, some things that, and not that we try to hide these things, but we don't brag about the, the past either, you know, but it's important for the congregation to know, you know, to, to look inside of your life and all that kind of stuff. So many of y'all know that my wife was, was married before. Y'all know the story of Lee and Michelle, and, and I adopted them, but many of you don't know that I was married before as well. And um, I, w- I was 20 years old when I, when I was first married, so Paul LeBee was, we were, at the church Friday, and he was picking up some chairs, and uh, I don't even know how we got on the subject. I'm not sure how he even got on the subject. And you know, Paul looked at me. and He goes, "I didn't know that you were um, that you were married before." And I said, "Well, I thought you did." And um, but I was I was 20, so that was almost 40 years ago. And um, and so I just say that to say that the enemy can come against me and use it as a spirit of condemnation to condemn me and tell me that you know you're not worthy of being a pastor. You're not worthy of of serving God and, and all those different things. And I just had to get free of that. I mean, I just had to, I had to confess, you know, and I'll go back and look at that. We, it was a short period of time. I was only married for 18 months. And um, so all of that was really God protecting me from children and all the different, you know, custody and all, all of that stuff that God protected me from. But when I go back and look at the situation, um, I also see that God gave me an opportunity to avoid that, that there was a door that he gave me. I didn't see it when it was happening, but after it was over with, I looked back and I realized that God was giving me a way out and I was too selfish and too stubborn to take the door. I, w- I just was plowing through with it. And, um, and so I just, you know, I, you, you, you confess that and you, and, and you just, you know, God cleanses you and God forgives you of those things. But, but there's no condemnation. But, you know, a lot of times what those things do do in our life, though, is, you know, the Bible says that God uses brokenness you know, uh, to, to, to change us. And, um, you know, I was, I was saved. We were, we were both Christians at the time. And, you know, I was probably one of those people I used to look at other Christians and say, well, I can't believe that, uh, that a Christian could get divorced and all that kind of stuff in a, in a way of judging someone. And, um, you know, what did Jesus say? He said, get the, you know, get the, uh, get the, the uh, speck, um, the log out of your eye before you can get the speck out of your brother's eye. And, you know, so a lot of times it's almost like when these things happen, and hopefully this is true in your life as a Christian, that you look at anything that happens in your life and you ask God to, 
to show you what it is he's trying to change in you. What is he trying to teach you? And for me, it was just kind of like, you know, taking me down a couple of notches and making me realize I ain't, you know, this special, perfect person, and I have no right to look at someone else in any way and judge them. We don't know every situation. We don't know every divorce, every reason why that happened. Does it mean that I, I condone divorce? No, it doesn't. I don't. I, I, the Bible makes it very clear what, what, how God says that. Um, but I use it as a way for God to, to really just break me and, and really humble me. And like even with, you know, with Joshua, you know, we can, you know, we can look at other families if we can say, well, man, that mom and dad, they're they doing a pretty bad job. That kid, you know, you don't know where that kid's at. He's in drugs. He's drinking alcohol. And then all of a sudden, you, you get teenagers and one of your kids starts doing it. And it's like, well, I better keep my mouth shut. You know, it's like, so just keep, if you got little kids, if you have small kids, keep your mouth closed. Because teenage, teenage time's coming, okay? And we do everything we can do to love them, to raise them, and all that kind of stuff. But, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I can just tell you this, it doesn't matter, no matter what you do, God, the Bible says that God gives every one of us a free will. We have a free will to choose. And, and they can grow up in the best house, the best home, all those different things. But when they leave mom and daddy, they, they are given a free will to choose the way they want to live their life. And you can't, be, you can't feel condemned that they made those choices. That's the other thing the devil tried to do is look at you. you. You're a horrible dad. You're a terrible parent, all those different things. And like, no, no, devil. That's, you know, I, I wasn't perfect, but that's the, that's the decision they made. They made that choice. I, I didn't, and I, and I tried to live a life that didn't even have alcohol and drugs in it. We, we never showed that to them in any point of our marriage. So, um, so that, but I just say that, to just say that, you know, and just like Pastor Vaughn said, we're all messed up. Yeah. And we, you know, if we weren't messed up, why did Jesus come? Right. Okay, so, um, and, and I know that's our church, and we love people, and, you know, I, you know, I want God to send us messed up people. I mean, that's what we should be looking for because we can love on them. And, and, you know, like Pastor Ron said, you know, he said that church, he just tries to create a culture and an environment that when people come in, they just feel loved and accepted. Amen. You know, just like I was telling you with the New Orleans mission, that, that guy David Botton, he said, when those guys come in off the street, they don't ask no question. 21 days, they can come in, they eat, they got a place to sleep. 21 days, we ain't asking you nothing. We're not, you, 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 we're just going to love on you. That's Christ. That's the message of, uh, of Christ. So when we look at, at condemnation, and, and this is a whole other message, but um, it's important for the believer to understand the distinction between condemnation and conviction. There's a difference. Condemnation is from the devil. Conviction is from the Lord. And you can always distinguish between the two because condemnation usually brings with it um, accusation and 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 and, and and um, pulling someone down or, or defeating someone or telling someone what they, how bad they are and all those different things, well, that's not God. Right. Now, you want conviction. Yeah. I want to be convicted because conviction tells me I'm, I'm straight off the path. I'm not, I'm not living the way the Bible says I should live and the Holy Spirit's like trying to convict me to get me back on the narrow road that all of us belong on. So we want to be convicted, but we don't want to be condemned. Okay, so it's important. So I don't know if, if I'm speaking to someone here um, um, this morning, but, but you need to get free of that. You need to get free of the shame and the guilt and just release it to God and, and tell God I've, I've repented of whatever that was or 
even if it wasn't sin or just something that happened in your life and you've carried the shame, you've carried the, the remorse and the guilt, God wants you to be free. God needs us to be free of that. So, um, you know, the, when we look at God and we, we see how God accepts, you know, the, those of us who, you know, all of us who have made mistakes, we don't have to go any further than the prodigal son. You know, Jesus gave that beautiful story of the younger son. He, he was selfish. He wanted, to, he wanted his inheritance before his uh, father died. The Bible says he grabbed his inheritance, went out to a distant land, and squandered all the money that, he had been give, that had been given to him. He admitted that he had made a mistake, and the Bible says that he, he humbled himself. He got up, and he said, I will go back to my father, and the best that I will hope that my father will do for me is just make me a slave. I know there's no way I could ever be a son again, but at least I can go back to my father and say I have sinned, and maybe he'll accept me at least back as a servant in the house. And y'all know the story. The Bible says before he even got to the door, before he was even able to get to the door, the Bible says the father saw him, and the Bible says the father ran to him, filled with compassion, embraced his son, and kissed him, and, and, and you know the story. And But what I love about the story is the father never asked the son why did you do it? And what do we do as parents when our kids make a mistake? Why did you do that? Yeah, what were you thinking? You know, how foolish you were, you know. But we don't see that. We don't see that. Any, there's no indication at all that God, all we see is that, that the father embraced that son and loved him and, and, and restored him. He was restored. The robe, the ring, the sandals, all the things that, that the father did for him was a picture of God restoring us. We're all prodigals. Every one of us, and, and that's the story that God, that, that, that God has given us. And I love what Jesus said here. We can all quote John 3.16, but really 17 and 18 is just as powerful. It says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. So the Bible says that Jesus did not come to condemn us. So who are we to condemn someone else? If Christ is not condemning, who are we to, to condemn? And that's, that's what the Bible says. So, so the next time the devil tries to bring condemnation on, on your life, just quote this scripture here in John, that I, I am not condemned. I'm in Christ. I'm, I'm in Jesus Christ. I'm covered in the blood of Jesus. And then in Romans 8, 37 to 39, it says... It says, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the next thing we need to see here is you are not a loser, you are an overcomer. You're not a loser in Christ. We're all victorious we all overcome in Jesus Christ. No matter what our past looked like, no matter what mistakes or failures you've made, you are not a loser, you're a winner. You are, you are victorious, the Bible says, in, in, uh, in Jesus Christ. And I love what Paul says here. He says it with such confidence. He says, no, in all these things, you are more than conquerors through him. And just receive that today, that, that in all these things that Christ has done for us, in all these things that... Jesus has given, given to us, you are more than a conqueror. That's who, that's who you are, not in, in, in your own strength, in the strength of Jesus Christ. 
That's what the, that's what the, Bible, that's what the Bible says about us. So um, if we remain in Christ, we will be victorious. And um, we can overcome every obstacle, every arrow, everything that the enemy tries to come against us with. We can overcome those in Christ. So um, the word overcomer, and I, I don't know if we have this um, on the screen or not, Ruby, that next. Yeah, this here, look at this, and I thought this was really interesting because all of us know the name Nike. But the Greek word most often translated overcomer stems from the word Nike, which means to carry off the victory. We, we are victorious. We win no matter what we face. In Christ, we overcome. That makes a little sense. Now, I'm not supporting Nike. I know there's a lot of things that they do that's not, that's not godly. But when you look at the, the name Nike and it says means to carry off the victory, we know a lot of things that Nike is associated with is sports. And obviously it's talking about victory. But the Bible says um, that we carry off the victory in Jesus Christ, that we're, we're overcomers because we are victorious in Jesus Christ. So, so um, I just speak this word to you over this church that God wants us to receive this, that you, that, you are an over, that you are an overcomer, that you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, that God wants, to, wants us to stand up and recognize and understand that's who you are in Christ. And then we can be the father and the husband and the mother and the wife that God has called us to be because we are free now. We are free to live the way Christ has called us to live. We are, we are overcomers, the Bible says. So the battle is not yours. I don't know what battle it is you're facing this one. The battle belongs to God, the Bible says. If God is for us, who can be against us? And you were loved. You were not, you were not condemned. God, God loves you. God sees you. God God knows that his church is, is weak, it's frail. We're, we have faults, we have failures, all those different things. But the Bible says God does not condemn us. God, God loves us, and then we are, we are overcomers. And um, you know, just what a beautiful passage that Paul you know, speaks to us and speaks to his church. And um, so just stand to your feet, please, this morning, and we're gonna, I'm going to give an invitation here this morning.